Oh, hey, Jim. Ashley, why are you wearing a Jesus chain? Well, you see, this week our episode is with the Cranks, so I figured I would sit down and write a song. Here, listen. Moped boy up in this hoe, crank that pedal, make it go. Watch me crank that moped boy, then ride it with my bro. Now I mean, crank that pedal boy, how many strokes that boy? Crank that pedal boy, crank that pedal boy. Damn it, Ashley. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Ashley. And this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. We have Graham from The Cranks joining us tonight via Skype. I just let him into the group chat. And we will see if it all goes well. I don't know how long he was sitting on Skype. I admitted him. I see him. I see him connecting on here. Hashtag that's mopeds. Like, if yeah, it, pretty much. If it doesn't work, huh? That's yeah. moped podcasting, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Graham is connected. Yeah, All right. Um, we're mic'd up. I think we're good to go. I'm gonna. We're roll. Me, Ashley and I have just kind of been chatting for the last thirty minutes. She hasn't wanted to kill me on this moped uh, podcast yet, so I'm gonna let you introduce yourself before I kind of do a, a whole intro. Why don't you go ahead? Let me and- get two seconds to go shut my door and get everything like situated here. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, dude, that's fine. You know, we're not good at podcasting, so we're just gonna roll with it. <laughs> Actually, you're gonna have fun chopping this one up <laughs> between me calling this the wrong freaking podcast and then our guests like, oh, but whatever, yo. It's not even my other. It's like not even the name of the other podcast. It was like, just, yeah. I was throwing words together. What can I say? <laughs> okay. You can say am... the name of our show. <laughs> no, that's what you. Don't could worry, say. dude. I was trying to do a roll in, and we've been. We've been shooting back-to-back nights for a couple weeks so we can get a few in the can. And, like, I've been just listening to wrestling podcasts and uh, Monday Moped podcast. And I, my running joke through this whole little trial experiment we've been doing is we're the great value to their craft macaroni and cheese. We're not nearly quite as good, but in a pinch we'll do. Um, so why don't you go and introduce yourself First, last name, and all that good stuff. And welcome to Mopeds, brother. <laughs> Wrong podcast again. Damn it. Yes, it's not wrestling is tomorrow, Ashley. Okay. Um, I'm Graham Motzing. Hi. <laughs> hey, Graham. Um, you, I, I'm trying to figure out how to lead into this. Um, you are in a moped club gang. Uh, which one would that be? Um, I am a founding member of the Cream City Cranks of Milwaukee. Uh, currently a scout status. There you go. I, um, that's why I had you on because you're one of the founding members. And know what? This is going to be my little thing. I like your guys' logo. Like I just, <laughs> it, it feels like 1986 to me. Like, I don't know why. But I, I, and I'm, everybody's going to make fun of me again because I'm this noob to mopeds and I'm doing a podcast. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm talking out of my 
but most of the time if I'm not putting my hand in it. So whatever. Um, Did I have you on Brabcast? No, I don't think so. I mean, I no, you didn't. <laughs> I would know if you did. <laughs> I, I had somebody so. from the Cranks on. Maybe uh, was Alex on? I think he would and probably be. That a seems more... familiar. <laughs> yeah, Alex, another rad guy, super nice. Um, I I haven't met a single jerk of a crank to be honest with you. Like all of you guys, like you, Ryan, Nick, Alex. Um, yeah, you guys all have been really nice to me. Um. So what our format of this podcast is, Graham, is what happened the first time you ever saw a moped, you know, early days of your moped career, um, what it was like, kind of middle point, like your not necessarily heyday, but like kind of middle life of mopeds and like what moped life is for you today. So do you want to start us off by telling us the not mini bike, not scooter, not any of that, but what was the first time you remember seeing a moped? Well, um, yeah, I grew up, so I, I lived back in Eau Claire, which is a town of about 50,000 people that um, is only about an hour and a half from Minneapolis, but kind of in the middle of uh, northern Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, definitely kind of that mid-sized, small Midwestern town vibe. So uh, mm -hmm. we, uh, I had a friend growing up who had a 90s uh Tomos Targa and I was pretty into anything with a motor at the time uh in high school didn't really have much um didn't really have much skills in the way of um you know knowing much about motor vehicles but I was really into cars and really into I had a lawn mowing business so I was fixing small <laughs> engines and uh so yeah this guy I I, I say friend he was a, a, a close acquaintance I guess neighborhood kid um he had some problems with it and he knew that I kind of knew how to work on engines and so he brought it over one time and I think it was like a like the choke mechanism effed up or something I can't remember exactly what happened but it was like one of those like first time you ever work on a moped and in about five minutes you've fixed it and you're now like the god's greatest moped mechanic in the entire world so you're the, it was one, really... you're the one that okay okay because most of the time uh, most of us we're sitting there trying to scratch our head for like 45 minutes figuring out why it won't run and then we got to turn that pet cock on and then i'll start yeah. magic so you're but, that guy who it all just came easy i see how it is well i'd already been working on lawnmowers for yeah. years uh because i had this little lawn mowing business and it was pretty i guess whatever kind of handy had kind of a little mechanical knack but yeah, yeah, yeah. in high school um really didn't know anything about anything i mean it's one of those things where you look at some of these people that post on ma like every now oh, and then there'll be some yeah. like 14 year old 15 year old kid who you know, you could tell their parents probably like have tools and know how to work on stuff and have taught them something or another. But you see these like high school kids that are doing like full resto stuff, and you're just like, holy cow, man! I was I was so dumb in high school. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah. So I fixed uh, Mikey's uh, Tomos and like got to ride around the block a couple times after I fixed it, and it was it was that combination of that like. You know, like when you first get into mopeds oh, and yeah. you're just trying to get a stock bike running and like the fixes are just really easy because you aren't doing dumb, overly complicated crap. So, so like... you had the smile <laughs> ride as like, yeah. I, I can remember mine. I mean, that's 
it's a generic term we all have used and all can identify because like yeah we all i i remember mine yep yep so you you fixed the bike you took her on the blocker once or twice how what was the time frame like when what was the gap till you actually just kind of got that itch to buy your own moped so that was probably like 2002 and i immediately wanted one like i wanted nothing in my entire life like 10 year old red rider bb gun levels of wanting something yeah, yeah. and my mom was just totally anti anything two wheels like she of course she's absolutely mom, <laughs> yeah <laughs> nothing two wheels so uh, poke we, your brain out yeah, yeah. we didn't <laughs> we didn't get to do any of the like you know little kitty dirt bike stuff and we didn't get to do any of that when we were growing up and so it was a lot of pent up um you know forbidden fruit kind of uh, oh yeah energy that for whatever you know i was just i say was like i'm not now but such a nerd (laughs) you know rather than the uh rather than that manifesting itself in some kind of like sensible you know dirt bike or motorcycle or something like that that most 16 year old kids want i just decided i really wanted this like vintage pedal moped and a scooter wasn't going to cut it and whatever so um it wasn't until i moved away to college uh, i moved to milwaukee and uh within like two months i think it was like it was before winter of the fall that i moved there so it was like pretty much right away as soon as i got there i bought this maxi off ebay for $500 because I really just didn't know anything <laughs> you know and this was even like kind of like Craigslist wasn't really a thing in 2004. Yeah. Were, were you getting you know? it from the, like the local shopper magazine that we all had at one point? We had, <laughs> we had the whole like where I grew up and I don't know about Ashley about in like the metro like we had what was called the home magazine where you literally had to write in the product you were trying to sell like whether it be a lawnmower or like a bike or a moped you could like there's a whole it was called the home magazine and like i sold a go-kart out there one time like yeah <laughs> we just put shit up on the doors at the grocery store uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the grocery store probably would have yielded more we had the trading post but it was like 20 bucks to put an ad and mm. like at that point in time most people would not have spent 20 dollars to sell a moped because <laughs> You pretty much either found them like at a garage sale or they were just on the curb, you know, back in the early 2000s. Um, they just, they had absolutely no value to anybody except for me because I like was such an idiot, didn't know how eBay worked, whatever. So bought this thing sight unseen on Craigslist down in Northern Illinois. I convinced my friend who had a car at college to like drive with me down there like two hours to like the Chicago suburbs. We go to pick it up. The gas tank's completely rusted. I mean, it was just completely shot. Of course. (laughs) For 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, Just crazy to think about it. But I I took it and smuggled it into my dorm room piece by piece. (laughs) Like, I went to bring it into the dorm room, and the security guards at college were like, "Uh, no, you can't bring that in there. And so then I went back outside and I took it apart one piece at a time, and I just walked all the pieces (laughs) past them. And they were like, you know finally like got to the point where it was like the engine and then they were like okay now that's the part that you can't bring inside <laughs> so then i put that in a backpack and i brought that inside and that's so yeah so my, awesome. 
my very patient roommate Josh who turned out to be a pretty good friend uh, he was a high school football player and like all around kind of jockey cool guy mm-hmm. um, and uh, he like must have just been thinking like who in the heck is this freaking weirdo <laughs> like, yeah. this dude's just taking our entire dorm room over with a disassembled moped of all things but he got into it he thought it was pretty cool what I was doing and so yeah sure enough I like literally like the urinals in the bathroom um the urinals in the bathroom in the dorm I used them to like dump out the maxi tank after I'd filled it with muriatic <laughs> acid like I was literally like floor you know those uh floor urinals that like yep, yep, yep. down to the ground like uh yeah literally like worked really good for dumping out this muriatic I imagine every so you were the popular kid on the floor then I take it everybody just loved you then like freaking I- cleaning out moped parts in the freaking urinals yeah this was msoe and it was like an all engineering college and oh okay so yeah it was cool then yeah (laughs) it wasn't even like it didn't even rate as a weird thing to do in the dorms (laughs) like the stuff there was a dude on the floor below us that literally built a death ray out of a microwave (laughs) and was like heating things up on the opposite end of the hallway with this like wave guide that he'd made out of like cardboard and tinfoil and like an open door of a microwave I'm getting so. the whole like scene out of what was that eighties movie with Val Real Kilmer. Genius. Yes. Literally yes! the Yeah. It was like it's funny. The first time I saw that movie, I was like, oh my God. Like this is shockingly accurate. Did you have a guy that lived in your closet then or was no. it the maxi? Okay. <laughs> I didn't... didn't have that. But yeah, so yeah, it was pretty fun. I rebuilt the whole thing like, you know, nut by nut all the way through. Totally stock, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, literally like rode it i pedaled it but i literally rode it off the elevator and like through the lobby and the security <laughs> guards were just like uh yeah they weren't too impressed by that but <laughs> it's kind of one of those things i was like ah. i was like yeah you know so got no, it outside I, I can't remember if it started up right away but i feel like it did i mean i, I, I in my mind it starts up right away as soon as i hey. triumphantly pedal it out the dorms but <laughs> there's a there's a line of people clapping and applauding you're doing you're doing like the double fist shake of people like yeah yeah um, it was probably so, more like uh pedal it five blocks to a gas station because <laughs> i didn't have any gas or a gas can at the time i'm guessing the reality um, was closer to that uh, what was the mix? Do you remember your first uh, mix? Like, was it 30, 32 to 1, 25 oh, to 1? Like, were I'm, you getting real, like, scientific about it? Like, I've always I have been to a measure fan of the maxi cup mounted measuring cup. Like, okay. I'm really, like, I'm one of those people that, like, really likes that and keeps that on all my bikes and actually uses it quite a bit. So, probably whatever the cup it's got like printed in the side of it it was whatever that said <laughs> the hobbits have that and i never learned how to read that like yeah. i got really lucky like i was tr- i was doing that at first and then like probably within my first six months of really mopeding maze gave me one of those little bottles he always carries like here take this and here's a chart and i'm like oh you're awesome um so you got you got that first maxi go started I'm assuming we're we're gonna go with it. It started. Um, it's stock. At what point did you decide I need to go fast? Like, was it within six months, or how did you start to kind of edge into the moped culture at this point? Well, like 
so I was on MA and I'd actually gotten on MA. I think there was a thread a couple years ago where we all tried to find like our oldest posts. And so my like original posts to MA, I'd been reading it, but I didn't like sign up uh, until like 2002 or 2003, but I'd already been on it and I'd been like getting into the whole, like that whole side of things. Um, so I like knew that it existed as a thing and it struck me as being like kind of a cool, like, dorky microculture or whatever you want to call it like I, mm -hmm. I was aware of it but in the city of Milwaukee there was like nobody with mopeds nobody riding there was nobody on MA from the area so it was literally just me and I was just such a nerd at the time that basically I all I had all I did was just like ride around alone and then I didn't have any friends so I basically would just crash college parties at the colleges that were like cool because mm -hmm. <laughs> like MSOE didn't really have its own parties or if they did, they were pretty lame. So I would like go <laughs> across town to UWM or Marquette and I would just like drive around until I saw a house that looked like it was a good party yeah. on my moped and just like ride the moped up on the lawn and then... <laughs> And yeah. I imagine everybody swarmed you too, didn't they? They're like, this is a good, no. No, um. it wasn't like that. It was just like, uh, that was just kind of like what I did and go to concerts and try to like sneak in with fake ID and stuff. Cause I just like, Dude, that's have, freaking rad. Yeah. I just didn't have any friends. I didn't really know what else to do. I was in this big city, you know, for the first time in my life. And so the moped kind of became this like, uh, just this like freedom thing for me where I had my like little like yes. escape from, you know, cause otherwise it's like you live in the dorms, you're like, you're at class you know and and going to school for engineering is like you know at least 40 50 hours a week you know of just homework class everything you know so it's really if you didn't like make an effort to get out you pretty much just like had this very like one-dimensional life of just doing math problems uh all the time <laughs> yeah, so, yeah and you I know mean, a lot of people your did that. schooling is way beyond mine by any means but i I have, I'm blessed with some very um, smart family members and I see, um, I had one family member that was going to be an engineer and decided to be an accountant instead, but like, I understand the dedication it takes to have that level of um, education. I do not have the discipline or the IQ, I don't think. Um, but so your, your moped is your outlet at this point. Um, it was a challenge at first. You're just, it, it's kind of becoming a surrogate friend where you're just riding around and it's freedom for you. Um, you're on MA. What is like the first performance part you bought? Well, so they didn't really, like you couldn't, there, there weren't performance parts yeah. to buy. <laughs> there was this place called Heaters that had a website out of New Jersey. And then there was the, the Moped Junkyard and both of those guys were getting like 250 bucks for a bi-turbo for a Tomos. Okay. Um, and it was actually like a two-piece bi-turbo. Uh, you maybe could have gotten the Pook bi-turbo at the time. Um, and then there was like a couple kits floating around that people would post, people would install. But it was like, it was pretty out of reach for the average person. And knowledge just wasn't there. Uh, so I started doing all the like, uh, homegrown hop-up stuff and of course I was at school for engineering and I was reading all the like uh, Jennings and Bell um, I was reading all those books so basically just all the stuff that they talked about in there I started kind of doing it porting um, modifying the exhaust pipe 
uh, machining yeah. for higher compression head, uh, boring out the carb. And so I didn't like have a chamber pipe. It was one of those things where just like at that time in my life, even if I could have gotten one for $150, which maybe 1977 was around, around that time. Yeah, from like my little bit of research that I've done and talking with some, yeah, that's kind of the early days of the like two year time frame you're putting out 2003-ish is kind of the very, and you're backing it up, it's the very early days of the performance parts that are just starting to come onto the scene. Yeah, and a lot of people were getting stuff from uh, 50, uh, was it 50cc.nl, I guess, was the website where they had stuff posted, but it was all posted in dutch or whatever language the netherlands speaks i guess that's dutch and uh you basically had to um write them with a like money order you had to like write like it was basically mail order they had a website but you couldn't order through the website you had to like call them or email them and then you'd like physically send them a mail order uh and then they would like send you your stuff and if you were lucky all that took about six weeks so it just wasn't like feasible at the time so you know where i kind of started enjoying it was doing all this like little like basically you know stuff i could do on the sidewalk in front of the dorms or i'd gotten a little job at a little laboratory on campus i could like bring it in after hours and i had like a little workshop there at school to work on it and so just doing all that little like you know basically kind of the thing where you just like you poured it just a tiny little bit put it all back together ride it see how it changes yeah yeah make it all part again you're terrified to go too far but you got to go too far sometimes to find out the limits um yeah there just wasn't any other option you know so you didn't really have like i really wish more people nowadays could get into mopeds that way because the whole like you see so many people that burn out on mopeds really quickly because they get into mopeds they ride with the crew everybody's going 45 miles an hour and blasts them and then like oh the next week everybody says oh you got to get a kit and then like two weeks later they've bought a kit they put it on wrong it blows up you know in early june they sit out the rest of the summer wishing that they hadn't (laughs) blown up their moped and then like by next spring that thing's got a clogged carb and it's parked in your mom's garage and you'll never ride a moped again so yeah yeah and i can say for myself i got really lucky where i kind of had that experience a bit like i the mopeds i started out on are actually the mopeds i have today but they were up at the family cabin up north and they were riding they were just bone stockers and i was riding by myself a lot and like ashley you started on that roadmaster didn't you yeah that that old amf yeah, yeah. like so was, I th- yeah like 18 ish <laughs> miles an hour at best was oh, about actually, all uh, i was getting it was actually a friction friction drive amf friction drive amf <laughs> man that's crazy it's amazing that you even got it i never i'd never heard that but it's amazing that you even got into mopeds after that because <laughs> it, it my first experience i would be like you know i was 14 and i was mobile like <laughs> yeah i had a motorized something i was down yeah that's awesome yeah um but so let me ask you another question you're you're working on that maxi when do you start 
and it's hard to build a collection being in the dorms because we're like right around 2003, 2004. When do you start to buy other mopeds? Like when does the addiction really, obviously you got, you got the, the fingers are sunk India. If you're taking it to the dorms, you're starting to do your own porting, you're starting to do this, that, because you had to, because there was no, you know, accessible um, performance parts. Um, when did, when did you just start realizing this is going to be my lifestyle? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, we, it kind of grew organically. I met this kid and I say kid, I think he was like 15 at the time that was over in West Dallas, which is kind of like a industrial blue collar suburb of Milwaukee. And he was kind of a funny guy. He was, he's kind of shady. Um, and so he started like, I can't exactly remember how that all came together, but he basically started like bringing bikes to me. I guess we found each other on MA or I'm not even sure how, maybe they like showed up to a Craigslist ad or something, but I never had a car. Like the whole time I was living in Milwaukee, I really didn't have a car. So I, that kind of kept my hoarding instincts at bay. Like the only way I could actually (laughs) go get additional mopeds was people either had to bring them to me i had to like con people into helping me find them or um uh you know or i had to like figure out a different way to get them whatever so um wasn't gonna like go buy a craigslist moped and then bring it on a bus yeah you can't you can't get the itch like midnight and buy a bike and like wake up at eight in the morning go pick it up yeah yeah yeah, so I actually I had I I did motorcycles actually for a couple of years after the um first maxi. Like I had this kind of like two year lull where uh for whatever reason I just decided that like I was gonna be doing like um oh I remember. Yeah, I met up with this vintage motorcycle club in Milwaukee and they were all doing like cafe racers before that was a thing. Like they weren't calling them cafe racers back then. They were basically just cheap UJM bikes that nobody else wanted. And so these guys were doing like, you know, putting clubman bars on them and, and custom seats and just how was this fuel cafe? Yeah. That was kind of like the fuel cafe thing, um, which had been going on a long time before I moved to Milwaukee. But when I found those people, I was just like, Holy crap, this is my, like, this is my crew. These are my people. And, And they were super welcoming. They were all mostly older Mm -hmm. Um, and so they kind of, uh, I kind of got in with them. And so I did a couple, um, actually did quite a few motorcycle resto projects, um, over the next couple of years. And then, yeah, I didn't get back into mopeds until, um, a few years later. And it was just kind of a, a couple confluence of things, but yeah, I had a couple, uh, this guy, geez, I can't even remember now. Ah, terrible guest. Um, (laughs) no, dude, you're. I'm no, you're doing great, you dude. I, lo- I I I've known you for a little bit now, but I I don't know your backstory that much. I yeah. yeah. So I guess like 2006 was kind of when um the moped army thing started getting more popular in terms of like rallies and stuff, and mm-hmm. that was around the time that I met up with Clint uh, and then Salty. I actually salty was this like um was he is he's a man he's just a character he's an awesome dude um probably one of my favorite people in all of mopeds but uh he was going to kalamazoo rally 
in what was that 2006 I think and he was coming through Milwaukee and just totally sight unseen like not knowing who he was at all he offered to give me a ride and like pick me up in Milwaukee he's like hey you like mopeds I like mopeds I'll swing through I'll grab you on the way to Kalamazoo let's go check it out so him and I (laughs) road tripped and he's like um he was you know a couple years older than than uh me I guess he's probably oh what is he He's kind of one of those timeless dudes. I don't even know how old he is. I don't want to say, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. public internet, but he's um, he was probably in his like late thirties, early forties, and he's like, um, you know, definitely like uh, non PC might be the polite way to put it. But he is just like one of these kind of like Northwoods, you know, wild and out kind of dudes that you would like meet like at a bar during snowmobile season. It's just yeah. like drunk and loud and hilarious and like yeah. everybody in the bar knows when he's there um and just telling like the most unbelievably like repugnant stories and <laughs> jokes and everything and like just kind of being who I was at the time and not having a lot of like self-confidence I was like kind of freaked out by the dude to be honest like <laughs> he was just like really intense um yeah. and so we went to Kezu, uh we rallied that was barbecue 13 uh, we had a blast. Uh, it was the whole thing was just ridiculous. And then that was kind of when I came home with a fire under my ass, like, okay, now I get like what the, the um, <laughs> gang culture is not really the word because that no. means something else. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the moped club culture, the rally culture, like I finally understood what it was about because you know, like MA is is cool and all and know the internet moped culture definitely has kind of taken on a life of its own but Mm -hmm. the real life moped culture and moped rally culture is such a different dynamic and experience when you're a part of it you know the Mm -hmm. way that people relate to each other in person is so different than the kind of um you know, whatever internet subculture that you get from just reading MA. And so I can definitely say like thinking about it now and going back to those, like those early years when, you know, there wasn't Facebook so much and there wasn't like all this social media. So the Moped Army Forum was kind of like my first taste of, you know, what later came to be known as social media. And so like getting to experience the, the warmth and the like welcomingness, um, and just the kind of sincerity of like, you know, real life moped culture kind of sparked me to say like, hey, this is something that like, you know, I want to find people in Milwaukee and I want to like build a uh, build a crew that can kind of like participate in this yeah. in the like crew dynamic rather than just kind of being a lone wolf guy, you know? Yeah. So you you talked about it. You talked. You got that itch to you know build a crew. Was there, this is, we're, we're going right around 2006, 2007-ish in that time frame. Was there, had you, and you, you said you backed out of mopeds for a minute, you got into vintage motorcycles, cafes, and then you got, you got lit again going to barbecue 13, you said. Now, at this point, is there any more mopeds popping up around Milwaukee? Are you still in Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, this was kind of like, uh, I don't know if there's like a heyday for this sort of thing, but at least in my perspective, the uh, ethanol gas came out in like 2005. And that was when like, 
just every single motorized anything that was not made to run on ethanol gas started showing up dirt cheap on craigslist it was also kind of the <laughs> first time that craigslist existed um yeah. and had gotten like you know to where regular people were using it not just like computer nerds and you know people looking for weird romantic experiences you know but like <laughs> yeah, actual yeah, yeah. like you know old ladies in the suburbs were finally like getting on craigslist so like all this stuff <laughs> just started kind of like coming out of the woodwork and that was a time when it was like man you know if you wanted to you could buy fifty hundred dollar maxis or whatever i, I yeah bought, like, yeah the the heydays i hear about now i never <laughs> will see again but you know whatever i'm not resentful <laughs> there was definitely like there's uh, i just remember there being like you know there was like weeks where like literally there was so many 50 75 dollar mopeds popping up that you just couldn't even get them all you know i did i did buy a 50 dollar moped last year i'm not gonna lie it was a pallet buy but like it was it was all torn apart on a pallet (laughs) but you know what it was a it was a hobbit it had 90 percent of the parts still there and i'm not saying the guy had done meth that day but i'm not saying he hadn't done it that week either but you know it was it was a great buy that's how Um, i picked up my gorelli (laughs) (laughs) same guy (laughs) not probably well, was it in Hastings by any chance, Ashley? No, it's in St. <laughs> Cloud. Ah, yes, yes. Um, so you're starting to buy mopeds. You're wanting to get a scene. Um, when do you actually start riding with people in Milwaukee? Is it like I hear people talk about the moped, like your moped children? Um, are you selling bikes and then? people are hanging around you because you sold them a bike or was it people coming to you with bikes or how did that do you kind of remember how that evolution started in milwaukee yeah i mean that was kind of my instinct um at the time was like you know give everybody i knew a moped like i basically (laughs) just started buying everything that i could get my hands on and like basically i was just sweet talking different people i knew that had cars to like go buy them with me you know for whatever reason so there was probably like shoot five six maybe seven people at uh msoe that were just like engineering students that i had met various whatever you know through things there and i bought i got a ton of people there into mopeds um and i was just getting kind of frustrated because they weren't like people weren't like sticking around you know, mm-hmm. there was this guy named John Watry who was in the uh, suburbs, uh, and he was um, he was on kind of a buying spree of his 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 own, where he was kind of doing this like, um, I don't know, he was he was just having fun with it, and he had a little bit of money, especially compared to like a college student. Yeah, go out and just buy a bunch of stuff. Um, so he was buying bikes and kind of um, helping people get them, and then. Um, I had I run across this guy I actually like chased him down um I saw a guy on a moped one day and then uh followed him 
uh, and then he started riding like crazy because he thought that I was like following him, which I was. <laughs> so he like went Just on be this, my like... friend! Come on! <laughs> yeah, we went on this like protracted, like we, pr we probably rode around for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes uh, all over like the north God, side. Keeps on catching green lights all the time, I tell you. Well, and this was kind of in the hood, like in Milwaukee. Oh, so okay. it was like, you know, not a place where you necessarily would want to <laughs> pull over for somebody. <laughs> yeah. um, and like finally like just as he was like I, he lost me and then i was like driving back to my house and as i was driving back to my house i saw him like chaining the bike up <laughs> out nice. front of this apartment building and then i couldn't get to him by the time you went inside so i like literally just came back to his apartment building where he had the moped chained up every day for like a week <laughs> in between going to school and just like like lurked him as hard as i could oh, i finally that... met him and uh, yeah. that was clint who kind of turned out to be like um he was just kind of a uh, you know a, around the town sort of dude he had done some like uh djing and uh he had was like in art school at uwm so he knew like a bunch of arts and music people um and so that kind of became like the the birth of the cranks was like me and clint we kind of found each other and uh no no pause you stalked him down and you found him <laughs> is what happened cram <laughs> yeah so that don't was worry like, i do the same thing with a few guys around here you know whether they want it or not i'm gonna find them no i'm joking but yeah that was kind of where like so things like from there just kind of became like you know he, he saw the potential for what mopeds could be in terms of a like you know a cultural um whatever phenomenon is definitely overselling it <laughs> <laughs> really niche awesome groups of five like, yeah, yeah i was gonna say like uh an excuse to find people to like drink with so uh, <laughs> we kind of uh yeah we kind of uh um we kind of got together and him and i started kind of scheming on how we could like you know basically just make um make it bigger than it was and kind of turn it into a thing so we like started putting out you know some like little handbill posters on people's handlebars and um you know reaching out to different people we we started getting some um couple guys that a, a chicago petty cash guy uh mm -hmm. had gone to high school with in milwaukee they uh showed up and started hanging out uh and they were both super cool um you know older dudes that had a little bit of money had like real jobs and shit so they could actually like afford to like you know <laughs> yeah no it's it's amazing Buy like stuff. It, isn't it kind of cool being an adult where we can like you know what i can't afford that hundred dollar pipe this week it's just like being 17 and trying to do this like uh but no it's it's the adult in me that i really like that i can afford moped parts um yeah so yeah. you guys are kind of building the scene um at what point do you try to i imagine like having a get together or like a ride night or something like when did you guys start to establish that because i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to put together like the the egg before the chicken type of deal like when did you guys like okay this is the day we're meeting or was it all just kind of organic no, we came up with Wednesday night pretty early, and that was kind of my like um, my instinct on the whole thing in terms of like creating a community was that we were gonna get together at Fuel because that was kind of the you know smoky, divey like kind of in the hood, uh, coffee shop hangout place. It made sense, 
Mm -hmm. um they would like let us drink beer on their curb and not like chase us off which was super cool of them no we we knew the guys over there we were living in that neighborhood um and so when we like started when we printed out like physical handbills um we we put like wednesday night at 8 p.m as the like hard copy like we literally you know put that on the hard copy and then that way uh we we made sure that like then every wednesday night from then on forward for probably a good five maybe six year stretch somebody was always at fuel cafe at 8 p.m on a wednesday in the middle of winter in the middle of you know rainstorm whatever even if we had to drive our car we'd just be there and and we actually had a couple people like des is one of them des showed up just like straight out of the blue like <laughs> i guess that was like 2000 what seven summer of 2007 that was kind of when stuff was really popping off and does just like one wednesday night he's just like sitting there with a moby uh didn't run real good uh, <laughs> but he was just like yeah, i bought this thing heard you guys were getting together and then he turned out to be like you know one of the most enduring and uh you know committed members of the crew because he's just a all-around pretty awesome dude so yeah that's awesome because like i i keep on hearing like from and this is why I want to do it. And I, I talked to Ashley about it. Like, I want to know like the history of the culture. And like, if we do more than like a four, that's our running joke right now. We're going to do four and see how it goes. Um, I always hear like 2006, you are 2000. <laughs> yes, you are. So you could be the last. Um, I keep on hearing 2006, 2008 in that time frame. And that's, it's really weird. I hear that because I got, that's when I got my hobbits. Like, and it's like, it just feels like I was a ship passing in the night with all these people. And like, Ashley, what, like, when did you get that first Gorelli you said you had? 2000. Oh, the first one. God, 2007. Okay. So it's, I graduated high school in 2006. So that kind of pumped off a lot of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with your heart with these fl- little flyers you had um like what did they say did they did you guys come up with the cranks at that point or the cream like what was the evolution of coming up we need to call ourselves something um there was yeah i guess that was 2006 that we kind of officially established and there was a few of us that were getting together pretty regularly and meeting um we yeah we we kind of had a you know voted on it i guess or whatever and um (laughs) people like the cream city crank so we kind of went with it it was um you know we we looked at a bunch of different ideas for names i can't remember what any of them were but at the time it was definitely like um you know clint and me and then uh by that time uh, a guy by the name of brian uh, blaze had uh, started riding with us and he was actually a guy from my hometown that had come to msoe um and he was a couple years younger than me and i kind of took him under my wing um and like bought him beer and <laughs> and showed <laughs> he him just kept, he just kept hanging around after that and showed him mopeds and beer and it was just i don't great. know it was kind of like uh uh probably um you know it was probably one of those things like hey you know this guy uh you know keep an eye on this this guy or help him out when he gets here to to the big city and then i was just like oh hey guess what 
I drink a lot. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but no, he ended up being like one of the more um, res- resilient members as well. Um, and so we kind of, we all kind of got together and um, um, Alex, I think was not in the scene at that point in time. I can't really remember. It doesn't really matter. Um, he showed up shortly after, um, but either way, yeah, we just kind of thought, you know, Cream City Cranks, I don't know. It's kind of. So you guys kind of, the 2006, 2008, you've talked about MA a little bit. Um, when you're, you're built, you're building mopeds, you're building the scene. When did you guys kind of talk about becoming MA official? Like, when did you decide to like, we need to get out there so other people know us? Like, when, how, how did that happen? Like, because that still kind of interests me to the, today, like where some, and it's totally different now. And I understand that, that like, you guys, like, I'll, I'll just let you explain. Cause I'll, I think I know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, there was, it was a little bit different back then in terms of, well, mm-hmm. it was a lot different back then, but certainly in like 2004, five, six, there was not this, like, um, the elitism thing wasn't a thing. It was basically just a bunch of, uh, I don't want to say that because it was, it was a lot of people from all different walks of life and legitimately a lot of the people were like super cool. I was definitely not on the <laughs> cool side of, um, you know, things because there were people in, in MA that were like, you know, hustling other, you know, artistic, uh, music, t- musical talents, you know, others. I hate those people who have actual real talent. I can get dirty. <laughs> I can, I can make a bike kind of run and that's about it. Like that's, well, that's it, about it. Yeah. I mean, the people that were the people that made it what it is today, you know, the, the only reason that it even kind of became a thing when it did was because people back then were like, it seemed like every rally you went to was just like, bigger and better and more crazy and more awesome and you know there were like gangs like ghost riders and tbs and um you know even the decepticons if you believe it uh were (laughs) um you know and and certainly like when the west coast kind of showed up huge um uh san francisco and seattle and portland and of course like you know petty cash they did like the throw a kit thing somewhere around then uh, you know those talk about that i've heard i've heard a little <laughs> bit like and that's that's the stuff again this podcast is for people who are like three to zero years in the scene who like i hear whispers and rumblings of this stuff and like i don't necessarily want like casserole or the everybody has their meet up on thursday like i was for me and i don't know about ashley and i, I you, you kind of seem like it a bit yourself like I was that kid who always asked, well, why? Because I want to know. I love the stupid details of stuff. Like, what was that and what actually happened and blah, blah, blah. So, like, let's hear, like, what's the throw a kit thing all about? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm really not the person to give the history of that. Uh, it was just that. Well, give us the very <laughs> brief cliff notes then. You don't have to go into the detail. Like, what the hell is it? Okay, just tell me what it is. <laughs> Well, there was like a there was a rap song called 
throw some D. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, this the this guy, uh, uh, Hollywood Holt, Nigel. I think it was yeah, Nigel. It's Hollywood Holt, right? There was a couple Possibly. of. Uh, I'm I'm gonna mess this up. This shouldn't be recorded. But either way, <laughs> guys from Chicago. I wasn't really that familiar with them because it was kind of just when I was getting into it. But they they put to get, put out this really you know pretty cool music video with a hip-hop cover you know yeah i just this, saw that okay. uh throw some d's song it was throw a kid on that mm-hmm. um and that kind of became like one of those things where uh for, for somebody who was on you know just kind of on the outskirts of moped culture at the time um it kind of opened up the potential for how cool of a thing this really could be um, and, you know, it was like, it was kind of like, I always thought it was cool. And I know other people and the people I was rallying with thought it was cool. And I liked those people and I thought they were cool. And some of them thought apparently I was cool enough to, you know, not shun me and run me out on a rail. Um, and then all of a sudden this like, this thing comes out and you kind of see it reflected in this very like cool light, you know, it was like, yeah. it's kind of like if, uh, it's kind of like if somebody like, filmed you in a rambo action scene with really (laughs) good cameras and really good lighting and like all of a sudden you're like wow i look really sweet with that machine gun you know like it kind of gives you this you know there's this like little bit of a big head factor that kind of came from it It it's just like coolness by association where i was kind of like whoa shit oh some mopeds are cool you know And, and it's it's hard to like um you know, it's, you can't really overanalyze it. It's hard to explain how all those little... We should never overanalyze anything <laughs> in mopeds ever. Like I, like I was just talking, like Ashley and I had a little bit of a me freaking out about stuff. And like, finally, I'm just... Ashley has been so accommodating to like my stupid needs. I'm just like, Ashley, dude, just I'm overthinking shit. Like, don't overthink things in mopeds uh, it's that's kind of the moral of that story i think um so you guys are forming and back to it like when did you guys decide to go like ma official and i it, yeah well that's the thing about it is it's like you know, back then at least the feeling that i had was that you didn't really I mean, you had to apply and you kind of had mm-hmm. to go through this branch review process, but that, but it wasn't something that like, you didn't make that decision just like by yourself. You kind of like other people in the community, um, you know, people in other crews kind of told you to apply, I guess. I don't <laughs> yeah, really know yeah. how to explain it, but it was- No, it was- no, it's, I, I think I know what you're trying to say. Like you're around long enough and they say, dude, we like you you need to be a part of this it's yeah it's so there was a few people that you know thought that we should be official uh at that time and so they kind of came to us and said hey you know why haven't you guys applied this year and we were kind of like well i mean there's only like five of us and you know we're not that we're not we haven't been around that long and they were like oh no you guys should apply so um so we did and didn't get in and then i think we didn't get in the next year and then I think there might, I think it might've taken a third application for us to finally get in, but we did eventually get in. But in the three years that kind of followed, there became a, a very, 
uh, the branch application from the, you know, even the year prior to us applying that first time, like if we'd applied that year, we probably would have gotten right in because it was a much less, um, the word elitist gets thrown around, but it wasn't really elitism. It was just kind of this attitude that like, um, you know, all of a sudden everybody wants to be an MA and we can't just like, you know, let They didn't want to let the floodgates open, if you will. Yeah. And it was also like people were putting like, you know, the people that were like in the bigger gangs, in the more established gangs, there were gangs that were putting, you know, I mean, you take some of the rallies that were happening at the time and, and these crews were like 10 people each putting probably a hundred plus hours of work into pulling off a rally, you mm -hmm. know, and hundreds of dollars of their own money and all that. And so there was definitely kind of this attitude that like, you know, if you look at a gang, like, um, you know, certainly um, like when, when the first or not the first, what was it? Whiskey business three or four was like the first like mega rally where there was like probably 400 people there. The oh, bandits wow. put so much effort into pulling that off. Like they had like catering equipment and they had porta potties and they had logistical stuff that they had done. And they were, you know, you just, you, you look at how much effort went into that. And I think, yeah, it sounds like it was professionally ran. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that was a big part of the reason that kind of this, um, this so called elitism kind of developed in the, um, in the branch review process because okay. some gangs were really showing up huge and they maybe and i i guess i i don't really know for a fact so i probably shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't spout off but you know there was definitely this attitude that like uh, you know you can't just show up with you know a couple people and and say you want to get in and just automatically get in because other other crews are kind of setting up a, a really high bar for, mm -hmm. for, you know, what well, it, it sounds like they wanted to have a standard of some type and we, we can totally shell away from this conversation because I'm not, in a, I'm not in a club. I'll, I'll probably never be in a club. I'm totally cool with that. And that's cool. Um, I was just kind of getting into your getting into the cranks. Um, what, what was your guy? kind of in the middle part of your we'll jump a little ahead to the middle part of your moped life career um we'll say what was the biggest rally that you helped throw with the cranks um we always kind of threw i guess mid-sized rallies um we were throwing them every summer back then pretty regularly okay um I did guess. you have like a did you have a month that you guys always picked? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really remember. <laughs> remember it's when we all had man. youth and energy and free time? Yeah. Pretty good ones for a little while there. Uh, yeah. Um at what point did you start did you move out of Milwaukee? You said right now you're from Elk Claire, you moved to Milwaukee for school. You started help building the cranks. You were a founding member of that. You guys became obviously became MA official. Um, at what point did you? It was I. I think you told me at one point you you got, you got a job and relocated. But like, when did you move and how much of a factor was it? How hard was it to leave? 
Um, it was tough to leave Milwaukee. You know, I mean, that was like I was there for a long time. Um, we ended up having to go to North Carolina, um, so my wife could pursue her masters down there. And then we ended up in Austin for a couple of years, um, and kind of, yeah, went out on on a scout deal. Mm-hmm. Were you um, with the moving around? Were you still? active with a moped or was it kind of was it kind of dormant years for you because you know your wife's in college getting her master's you're moving i i mean what was moped life for you like this this moving around time um i was buying the heck out of mopeds like uh tomos is like crazy i actually bought out a, a tomos shop in north carolina that's so um, awesome. and yeah so there was like i bought a lot of bikes in north carolina because they were dirt cheap and you could get them <laughs> for like 50 bucks out of scrap yards pull the motors off of them sell the motors on uh ma for 100 or 150 bucks and you know go buy another one so i was kind of doing this like um i've never really been a butcher but i was definitely doing a like scrap yard like this bike will be shredded and melted down in you know <laughs> a couple days so you know grab the like the mags and the and the motor off of it sell them as cheap as possible on ma and yeah. uh you know whatever so no uh, dude that's right ra- that's rad as hell because like anybody who's rescuing mopeds especially to like there's it's like any other you know fossil fuel or anything else in the world there's only so much of it and like there's only so many mopeds left in the wild and like if I hear somebody rescuing mopeds from a scrapyard, dude, you get like a gold merit badge from me, dude. That's rad as hell. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I had this guy that was like a, a ex crackhead, like recovering crackhead, uh, yeah. and I re- I went to a he had a, a Tomos posted on Craigslist for like a hundred bucks, and I went to go buy it, and he just had like his whole backyard was just full of like scooter carcasses. <laughs> and, uh his deal was that he just like went to all these scrap yards and like bought these um scooters that were just laying all over in these scrap yards and he would get them for like 50 bucks or whatever and so uh he was telling me this and he was, he was a pretty cool guy you know so we were kind of shooting the bull um but definitely like you know a little bit off um just because of yeah you know whatever <laughs> crack um, yeah <laughs> he's done some stuff wow. and uh so I went to one of the scrapyards that was like one of the ones that he went to and immediately found this like house paint, like literally like white house painted like TTLX that was just (laughs) shot. Uh, But it kicked over, you know, whatever looked good. And I go to buy it and they wanted like 150 bucks for it. And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, so I told him to go pound sand. Yeah. (laughs) I call the guy back and I was like, hey, oh, Eric, his name was Eric. That's funny, it's, that just came back to me. I was like, hey man, um, I found a bike over there, but they want 150 for it. And he starts laughing. He's like, no way, man. I, they said that they would give it to me for 50 bucks last week. And I told him I didn't even want it because it was junk. He's like, you want that thing for real? And I was like, yeah. He's like, look, I'll go get it for like 40. I'll give it to you, for like 60, <laughs> whatever. So then that yeah. became like our deal. Like he was going to the scrapyard every day and he was like pulling these scooters out. Uh, and I told him, I was like, well, if you ever see any mopeds, just grab them. I don't care, like 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. 
And yeah, so, I, got, I, I got a few feelers out there out in the wild. <laughs> I know some scrappers. I'm like, dude, if you find any moped that looks halfway complete for 100 bucks, buy it. I'll buy them all. Yeah, so this was like, I mean, it literally became like about every other week or every couple weeks, like that this dude would call me up and he'd have another one. Uh, and one time he even grabbed like a really nice red, white, and blue Derby variant. Uh, nice. Pyramid Reed Derby variant, but it was still like a pretty pretty damn nice derby variant that was all seized up and i think he i, I can't remember i think i gave him a hundred bucks for that because i was just like so stoked that it was a freaking derby <laughs> he saw uh, how excited you got and he's like uh-oh we're gonna have to rake we're gonna have to rake ram over the coals for this not no i like no was, no fifty dollar deals we're going hundred i think he only wanted like 80 and i was like no way dude i'm not gonna do you like that so <laughs> i i literally like put it in the back of my two-door escort because uh, I had like a two-door hatchback Escort at the time yes. I was using to haul all these mopeds around. How were the headlights on that Escort? Uh, it had them. They worked. I don't know. <laughs> They're the bane of my high school existence, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and so, so, yeah, I like stopped by the one. There's like one other moped guy in town in um, in North Carolina. Uh, and I stopped at his place on the way home to show him. And like as soon as he saw it, he was like, he's like, I, I want this. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to like, you know, screw you over on it. So I think I sold him for like 300 bucks, but like didn't yeah. even get the thing home. So that was the one time I owned a Derby for like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> those are, they're, those are always fun. I've seen, I've seen that happen with mopeds where like, um, I was, I went to the Tampa rally this year and one of the buzzards needed a part off a of Tomos. So he bought a bike off of Craigslist for like 250 bucks rode it to the rally spot somebody walked up to him said hey do you want to sell that bike he goes 400 bucks sold it right there he's, oh, like, nice. he's like dude i've owned this thing 30 minutes i already made 100 bucks on it like this he goes i love florida um no those type of deals always make me excited like the 20 minute sell jobs it's great um what do you got a do you, do you got a year frame that you were there in north carolina hustling scrapyard mopeds oh uh, i don't know it was like um 2012 13 i guess somewhere around there okay um were you seeing how was it just kind of you doing a moped thing or were you starting to see moped people pop up there at all or was it still kind of was it just you and your moped and your wife and blah, blah, blah? um they had uh they had a really good crew in charlotte uh they were called the slow goers at the time but now they're the queen city barons mm -hmm. um and there was a couple guys down there and then we weren't too far away from richmond so we got up to richmond um and hung out with some of those guys uh sean and like black east and the shred shed um met some awesome. good people over there um my buddy Pete from uh, Charlotte now of Savannah. He's like one of my like long-term moped buds. Uh, found him. Uh, Tommy Rolek. Uh, hung out with them guys a lot. Um, John, uh, rest in peace. He was a pretty awesome dude. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely like a pretty good. It was just a very different like um, scene than the Midwest moped scene. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it was like different in that were different but it just it had a really different feel um yeah but 
there were some really awesome people um, that I got to meet through that. Um, just like a pretty, you know, I can't even list them all, pretty long list. But uh, yeah, it was nice, you know, where we were at. Um, Greensboro was kind of a kind of a bummer. That town kind of sucked. But uh, like no, I said, sorry. I found I found off. What friend. are you talking about? They had NASCAR there, son. Like I love I love me some cars turning left. Greensboro <laughs> did not have yeah. NASCAR. <laughs> hey, you know what? They had NASCAR teams from there. I think as well. No, I know what it was. It was my second favorite thing. They had the Greensboro Arena where Ric Flair wrestled all the time. That's what it was. Uh, that I could believe. <laughs> okay, like. I'm trying. I'm. I'm trying to moped. There we go. I'm trying to podcast and turn my uh, dining room light on. There we go. I have a. It doesn't matter because I'm the only one. We do this for the poor people who will listen to us. We do this over Zoom, and tonight I'm the only one on camera. But you know what? I still want to let everybody see my beautiful face. I shaved a few days ago. Um, so I could come on camera. I'm not you wearing could. any pants tonight either, but oh, Jesus, <laughs> I put pants and a shirt on for this, Ashley. Um, so you're you're in North Carolina. You moved. How was the? You said you moved to Texas. How was the Texas scene for you? Was that just kind of a pit stop in the road of life, or were you still doing mopeds down there? Yeah, I mean, I was in Austin, um, and that was awesome. Um, I had met Lester. A long time ago in fact i think one of my very first rallies um i'd ever been to he stopped and like uh gave me a spark plug when my bike died uh right outside like the first like we like le- we're like leaving the first gas station stop and i couldn't get my bike started and he like pulled over for me which at the time like was awesome but i was also like so flustered and kind of like overwhelmed by it i didn't realize how awesome of a thing it was that this like yeah you know sage like moped guru dude had been like he's kind of a pillar of the moped community um you know definitely um just stopped out of totally like you know and i was like first rally total total grom stats um with like the most grom failure mode (laughs) you know short of like running out of gas like i literally like followed up my spark plug like leaving the first gas station stop at the first rally i'd ever been to and he just like stopped and he had this like i didn't make it past my first <laughs> stop at my first rally it was on a yeah i won't even get into that disaster of a rally but you know it was, uh, the rally fan is sometimes the best uh, experiences you can have even if you're a sober cat like myself but well and uh yeah so i mean lester like just pulled over on a moped and he had like you know in my mind it's like four gorgeous girls with him which at a moped rally was like pretty unusual it was just like you know he showed up with uh, that was hell's bombshells at the time and uh he like came all the way to michigan from austin texas with like uh just this crew of like really awesome nice attractive people and then like Mm -hmm. pulled over for me with this like followed out spark plug and gave me a new spark plug and probably even had like a wrench and shit to change it on him yeah yeah and was just like super (laughs) gracious and kind about the whole thing which was just like one of those like you know like i said those little things that kind of add up to make Mm -hmm. uh make the scene what it is uh and so ever since then like i'd always like gone out of my way to say hey to him when i saw him out and about um just because you know um he's just like such a cool it's just dude. being a service like moped community and that's yeah. i love i love those people i love to help anybody when i i 
it's the weird dichotomy that is me. Like I hate people, but I love to help people at the same time. So, and it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's dude, don't, don't freaking ask me why. Um, so you're down in Texas. When do you make your way back up to the Midwest? Um, I, uh, got laid off, I think in 2015 and then, um, got hired, um, the first job that I was able to get after getting laid off was uh, back in Milwaukee, of all places. Okay. Yeah, um, not like totally by coincidence, you know. No, I, no, you you're looking <laughs> for where you know. I mean, I, yeah. I get it, dude. So yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we we loved Austin and it was great living there, but it was pretty expensive. Uh, we ate out a lot. Food was awesome, but it was tough. <laughs> like we had a, a little kid, and um, you know, houses were crazy expensive. So we just couldn't afford the lifestyle we were living down there in terms of like long-term life goals. So yeah, uh, made the tough choice to come back to Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, ended up there for a couple of years. And, um, and so you, you're, you said that you're obviously married, you have the family. Well, how does that work? You move back to Milwaukee. So it's not going to be like it was before when you lived in Milwaukee married i assume um what is it what was mopeding like in milwaukee now with a child and a wife and were, did you buy a house at this point or were you guys apartment life um we we ended up buying a house pretty quick and kind of like flipping it i guess so okay two... and i mean we don't get, get get into detail that i'm just trying to paint the picture of moped life for you at that point like were you yeah. still trying to get to fuel or was it like, uh, I can make it there when I can? Um, I wasn't really getting out as much in terms of that kind of stuff. Um, I was like remodeling this house. So that was a huge time suck pretty mm -hmm. much all my time at the time. Um, but you know, still, still coming around to stuff and getting to do some more different kind of like little shop hang type things every now and then, but yeah, you know, um, definitely different 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 situation <laughs> yeah yeah and i i always feel i'm happy to see when like the old guard and i'll, I'll say this all the time when the when the old guard who have family who can make out to moped events so noobs like me who is just a dweeb moped kid i say kid and like we're literally i think right around the same age but you know whatever i don't care um I love it when I get to get you guys out and I can pick your brains. And I think that's 90% of the reason why I'm doing this and got Ashley to, because I am, I'm not, I'm just not technical when it comes to the production side of it. I'm just terrible about it. Um, 2015, when do you, when, which we'll is kind of jump up to the modern to today. Uh, what's moped, what are mopeds like for you now? Like um, you're, yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely uh probably doing it as hard if not harder than i have in a long time um i've got a little uh hobby farm now yeah and um you know a lot of other projects in terms of like tractors and um you know rototillers and <laughs> all that kind of stuff to, to to fix and work on snowmobiles uh four-wheelers all that dirt bikes and stuff so um my my project time is spread thin but yeah. i still like 
last summer was my first summer in the new house after Mm -hmm. having moved out of Milwaukee and had a lot of fun, got to have people out here a couple times to ride dirt bikes and, um, you know, moped people, basically, uh, friends of mine, like coming out here and doing the like, uh, farm weekend thing and yeah, you know, yeah with the families getting to have the kids along and the wives along and um cooking out and having bonfires and so like being able to kind of have that side of the experience definitely feels like um you know definitely not in as much in the uh three-day rally party kind of mode these days but yeah, I mean, it changes, it, it, and it has to. I mean, and that's all you know. That's the cool thing about mopeds, or just maybe it's life. I don't know, but like, there is still that three-day party scene at the rallies. But then there's also like the family, the family people that still kind of we're, we're here, we're gonna hang out. Oh, it's ten thirty. Uh, I got, I gotta go. I gotta go to the tent or I gotta go to the hotel because I got I gotta go take a nap now. Um, so, what I, I want to ask you this, and I've been meaning to ask a few people, and it, I just wasn't able to slip it in. Since you are, I don't want to say at the beginning of the scene by any means, but you're early on. Do you know what your treats order number your your number they assigned to you? Do you know what that is? <laughs> I I don't know. I ordered from them when they were on eBay. I know. Like I want to <laughs> find. I want to find the top ten people. Like I, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that little assignment before we post this, and uh, I think you're gonna be posted in two weeks. Um, I would love to be able to put that in there. Um, and when have you had? And I. I I started this one way and I think we're getting, we had to rework this question now because um, the, the hack already got, Ashley already hacked it from Monday Moped Podcast. At what point did you have to give mopeds a second chance? Like that you were done with them or you were ready to, or was there ever a point in your moped career? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I never like, I never quit liking them i took Mm -hmm. a break in texas um i had gotten to where i just had like way too many projects and nothing that ran and just way spread too thin um i had like acquired a lot of crap in north carolina that i brought with me (laughs) and (laughs) believe it or not and so yeah i mean i i kind of took uh, the other thing about Texas is that, like, you have to have a motorcycle license to ride a moped. You also have to have, like, plates, registration, and insurance, and it's all really expensive. So it's okay. basically... That's really, that's really weird. Yeah, in it Texas, is. In Texas, like, I thought that, that, like, I had a family member who was uh, an executive chef in Texas for, like, 30 years. He ran, like, south fork ranch um he was he was a menu planner for high high high-end hunting clubs and like that was a big thing in texas like they stay out government stays out of my life but no that's that's baffling to me but you know whatever yeah Um, i mean there's a lot of stuff like basically they don't they don't charge you income tax so they got to get it some other way so they get it from yeah so rather than charging you income tax it's all like piecemealed out so like mm-hmm. 
every single little stupid thing is like expensive you know so um basically riding a moped was i don't want to say cost prohibitive but like my commute was 20 miles at uh 50 to 70 miles an hour yeah so, you're no you're not you're not moped dude like, it was I, like I, yeah anytime I that in... i've yeah anytime that i've been able to like have you know mopeding be more of a part of my life it's always had a lot to do with whether or not my commute is conductive to that mm-hmm. so the texas thing is just like there's no motivation to keep a bike running if you can't commute on it or at least mm-hmm. i shouldn't say there's no motivation but there's a lot less motivation to do that kind of like day in day out maintenance tuning you know upkeep on a bike if you're not riding it to work every day like that's yeah. kind of the ultimate <laughs> it's funny to say but it's kind of the ultimate torture test like just about anybody can hop on a moped and ride like 150 or 200 miles in a weekend and yeah it, you know hey, no what are you talking deal. about i do that all the time <laughs> but, but i i am lucky enough where i can it's i start work at 5 a.m so it's an awfully cold morning but like i have snuck home already a few times during lunch to go get my moped because i'm only a 10 minute ride away from work so i I feel kind of lucky about that um yeah Yeah, so kind of the path back from that was basically like i got rid of i sold all of my fire breathing nasty stuff that i had built over the years i like basically took apart parted out sold off all of my big kit motors all my real high performance shit and for like really about two years all i built was like really i should say for two years it's basically been ever since then is all i build kind of anymore is just really basic fun (laughs) you know like 50 so mile an hour uh you know like last summer i built that polini and just like (laughs) polini e50 with a boss pipe and i just had a lot of fun with it you know it was like Yeah. yeah i think i built the whole motor in about four hours start is that what you had at the tip yeah 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 no I was, was like... I, was, I was so uh, you, you made it i made it up my then i ate rings and then you you were you guys couldn't come till saturday so you made you drove down sunday and like i was old i was jealous won't lie i'm like oh they get to ride down yeah. um no like... and that was that was a i love that chopper seat you guys had on that thing that's so awesome yeah um, that bike's been uh on the tip I think that's we took a couple there's been like two years that I rode different bikes but I've taken that bike on the tip every time we've been to the tip except for two years it's been it's done it like uh five maybe six times yeah yeah. that's so so awesome it's got a it's got a history yeah um so yeah I think that was you know I want to thank you for coming on Graham. I know you were a little hesitant at first. And like I said, I just 90% of this podcast is going to be, I mean, eventually we might get into a little tech talk. Um, I'm not that cool. Um, but I just want, I, I would like to get a more documented audio history of mopeds. And like, I, I'm grateful that you came on. I'm grateful you can't, you spent the, you know, I know you're a busy man with a uh, wife, family, all a whole nine yards. Um, yeah. Is there, <laughs> that, that's what I got. I never know how to sign off this. I just, I feel like that Minnesota goodbye. I'm like, Oh, sure. We're going to get going here soon. So I'm going to say it, Graham. 
thank you very much. Um, and hopefully we see you sometime this summer in Minneapolis or actually St. Paul, because but St. Paul sucks. We all know that. Um, <laughs> no, I'll be up for sure quite a bit. I'm, I'm hoping we'll see how everything goes, but I still feel like I can maintain six feet of separation on mopeds pretty easily so yeah that's that's what i keep asking people like i i keep on saying does anybody want to go ride and i got one i got one guy out saturday but then he i think he's got an air leak because he was spiking pretty hard but i'm like oh you had all winter to fix this stuff yeah yeah speaking of <laughs> all right graham um yeah i want to thank you very much for coming on and we'll see you later no problem all right See you, James. Yeah, Ashley. All right, Ashley. That was pretty rad. Got to learn more about the cranks. Got to learn more about the Milwaukee scene and Graham. Like Graham, I met uh, last summer at Maze's house at an impromptu barbecue thing. And like, it was, yeah, got to meet him, his wife, freaking super nice and rad people. Um, and that's like I, like I keep on saying, you know, that's been my experience with mopeds. I know everybody's is different, um, but it's just about putting yourself out there. And I think we got, we got to do it. We haven't shouted them out yet on this podcast. Tyler Augustine said, no bummers. Just don't be a bummer. And like, I can be a bummer. You experienced that. And I tried not to be. And, you know, just keep what I just got to keep putting our, myself out there and you put yourself out there and we'll just keep doing this um so this is number four what do you say ashley should we do fomo you know it, it took four but we finally said the magic words which one <laughs> tyler augustine <laughs> well i wanted to I, I i didn't mean to even do that i i my thing was and I, I finally found a way to talk about him again um i was i had to respray a bezel on uh for one of my hobbit builds i'm doing and i've got a thing where i'm gonna i'm doing something standard on them all so we'll see if people catch on to it but i had um the paint blow up on me and if anybody was painting anything blown up refers to like the paint wrinkling so i had to sand it down sand it down and redo it and i don't know why i don't know why it blew up on me but then it started to run and mr knutson taught me something years ago he goes if you got a little part and you see it starting to run load that some bitch up and run her to the bottom and wipe it so we'll see if anybody notices like and kevin is one hell of a painter so i just ran her to the bottom um but you know what i'm not too worried about it you want to know why why is that mopeds are dumb mopeds are dumb <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome everybody to Monday. Oh my God! Edit Fuck, that, man. please. That ain't our wrong no, show, homie. I, I bet I've been listening to that all day.